The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! We're back. We're rounding out the year. This is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 84. And I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel Harper. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. How have you been? Been a long time since we talked. Yeah, it's been, uh, fuck, it feels like years. It's only been <laughs> years, days. years. But we're back in the saddle. We're recording. <laughs> um, we certainly just finished recording on the cube. Cue the winged serpent yeah. uh, 30 seconds ago. Certainly that didn't, we didn't do that because we're professionals here. Yeah, no, no, that would be, that would be devious of us. And, and yeah. we don't want to dis we don't want to throw any deception the way of her. That would be dishonest towards the audience. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I took that bottle of Sierra Nevada celebration. I was drinking at the end of the last episode. I put it in the fridge. I put a cover on it and then I'm coming back a week later and I'm finishing it today. That's why I'm drinking the same bottle. So man, that must taste awesome now. <laughs> it's uh, still delicious, which should tell you all you need to know about the timing of this episode. Mm-hmm. A little behind the scenes, people. Nobody listens to this. It's fine, right? Yeah. So, you know, Fuck. people just want us to get into talking about the things we are supposedly here to talk about. But we've got a horse shit for like 20 minutes at the beginning of every episode, right? Exactly. Uh, but we're going to be doing our best of. And of course, if you've been following the podcast for any amount of time, you probably know that uh, we basically do the best of the things we've seen for the first time in the year in question, not the best of that year in question. So uh, we're going to be talking about the best things we saw in 2016. It's and, our 2016. Uh, it's the best of our 2016. Our, our 2016, exactly. Fuck all other people's 2016s because it doesn't matter. I didn't even see 10 movies from 2016 in 2016. So, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did either. Uh, so that's, that's how sad it is. I mean, I think we've commented before where we've had really trouble looking for great movies on the given year and uh, from that year. Uh, so that that's what it leaves us. It's just, you know, but the podcast affords us the ability to jump into stuff that we otherwise probably wouldn't have seen before now. And I think both of us probably have stuff from our uh, year of podcasting that, uh, yeah, well, it, yeah, most, most, yeah, most of the stuff I'm going to talk about, we, we discussed on the podcast. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcast via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com.
Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. This podcast takes no shortcut in producing outstanding content. How they haven't become more widely recognized is beyond me. I love this show. Smart commentary, in-depth interviews, and great production. It's obvious how serious these guys take their podcast and bring that next level of professionalism that anyone would be hard-pressed to match. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. I kind of had this vague thought of doing in 2017. I'm trying to watch one film from every year since 1917. And mm-hmm. then, you know, kind of, I actually had the plan. I This year, I started 2016 keeping a spreadsheet of every film I watched for the first time. Mm-hmm. Specifically so at the, at the end of the year, I could do a list and not have to, like, go back and, like, figure it out. And then around September-ish, I just completely dropped the ball on keeping up. Oh. <laughs> Um, so then I did have to go back, but I had, um, I did make a list of every film I saw for the first time this year. There were more than a hundred films on the list, but like, I think three of them were from 2016. So nice. So we'll, we'll try it again this year and see uh, how, how it works. But you know, it kind of reminds me of all the people who, uh, do the, the 31 days of October thing and, and end up not managing to make it, you know, one movie right. every day. Yeah. 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 But no, uh, still, you you did over 100 films uh, this year. Yeah. That's pretty fucking spectacular. That's over 100 films that I saw for the first time this year, not yeah. counting all the ones that I had already seen. So, um, you know, I feel I feel pretty pretty confident. But I mean, it was like 102 or something. It wasn't like you know some you know huge huge number. But I mean, that's I mean that's a new film every three days. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really okay, good. You know? That's yeah. really fucking good. It is. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that. Uh, we're I think we should just sort of take turns. Yeah, yeah. films. Yeah, I didn't. I just do. I I don't do a like best of. I just do like a um an alphabetical list of Mm ten movies. And I and I also I did not spend a lot of time actually picking these this year. I Mm -hmm. I I kind of went through the list and just kind of picked. I kind of made a list of like twenty or so that were like contenders, and then just picked from those things that like I just kind of thought I would have something to say about. So this is not um an attempt to like really rank the 10 best things I saw. It's just meant to talk like stuff that I'd like to talk about with you. Um, most of most of which we covered at some point on the film. And I think all of them I at least mentioned um, on the podcast this, this year. So, um, and that, that's what this list is. It is not in any sense like a definitive ranked list or anything like that. So, <laughs> 
because I think ranked lists are kind of. I mean, I, I make it makes sense why. I mean, it's fun to like make them like as a critic and as somebody to like. It's fun to like debate people's lists, yeah. but ultimately, it's like that's not how we consume art. It's not how we consume media. You know, it's like what's interesting. What do you want to talk about? And so there's a lot of stuff that I saw that was like really good. But then just like I don't have. I mean, yeah, it was good. That's all I have to say about it. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's over, you know, but yeah, I think I think taking turns, just kind of going and talking about because I'm sure most of the ones that you're going to mention are things that um, I got to see this year as well. So uh, hopefully we'll get to have a little have a little back and forth on them. I'm kind of hoping there'll be surprises though. I'm kind of hoping that we'll uh, surprise each other. I think there's a couple things here uh, that I'll surprise you with. Uh, yeah. So was summer job on your list? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It fucking wasn't. That's a different <laughs> list for a different episode. By the way, just sure, say. Sure, sure. Sure, no problem. I'm with you. I'm with you. The greatest <laughs> film performances of all time. I, I get it. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. That's next. That's next year. After after yeah. we do the, the, there's going to be another show. By the way, people, there's something we sort of bandied about <clears throat> once in a while where we talk about we should just do a movie, uh, sort of a episode where we shit on movies that we hate, and uh, yeah. that'll be next year. Summer Job is going to be paramount in, yeah. in one of my lists for next year. Just saying. Sure. sure. Sure, sure. No problem. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. So. <laughs> but yeah, I do have a top ten, and then I do have uh, three honorable mentions. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of mentions, again, just kind of stuff that I just want to talk about, and then I've got like a list of performances, because there were a lot of performances in films this year that where the film itself didn't necessarily make my list, but the performance did. So, Right on. Uh, so actually, I'll let you uh, go through your honorable mentions first, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, one is uh, The Hateful Eight, which I saw this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a film I'm going to be writing a lot about Tarantino this year. That's kind of one of my big projects is in 2017 to start really talking seriously about Tarantino. Um, I saw Hateful Eight like four times this year. I mm-hmm. still don't know if it's a good film or not. Like, I have a lot of thoughts about it. It's a really, really fascinating film. Probably the film I've spent the most time like, critically engaging with this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my thoughts about it are so, like, I, I think it's a good film, whether it's, like, the best film of the year, or whether it's Tarantino's best film. I don't think it's his best film. No. But I, I really enjoyed the film. I know it was kind of on your list last year, um, but mm-hmm. I didn't skip to this year. Yeah, I, I'm going to have a lot to say about the, about this film, and I, I think it's it's widely... I mean, I don't even think this one is misinterpreted as much as it's just not interpreted. I think I think people just kind of saw it and kind of almost dismissed it immediately because it doesn't have the thing that people are looking for from Tarantino these days. It, it, se- it seems like Tarantino didn't put the same kind of punch into it. It's got other things on its mind than, you know, being another, you know, Django Unchained or Inglorious Bastards or, you know, Kill Bill or something. It's it's doing something different, which I think is interesting. But I think people have just have kind of dismissed it at this point. Like, nobody's really talking about it anymore. Yeah, I kind of, when I, when I was watching it, I kind of felt this was almost a reaction to critics. Like, it was almost a fuck you. Mm-hmm. to all the criticisms he, he's gotten over the years. And to a certain degree, that kind of diminishes any sort of artistic statement that he might have. But at the same time, I kind of respect the idea that he would make, he would just go out of his way to make a movie saying fuck you to all of his critics. At the same time, I, I kind of like that. But uh, I, I don't know, that's just kind of my interpretation of it. The thing I keep coming back to, it feels like he's doodling on a napkin a little bit. It feels like he's kind of playing mm-hmm. with some... some playing with some forms. We know that it's a film that, I mean, it was originally going to be a book. He was going to write right. a book called Django and White Hell. And then um, got away from the idea that, I mean, that this is going to be a Django 
concept, which I'm really glad because it it would have ruined Django Unchained for me in a lot of ways if this if the Sam and Jackson character was Django. But um, also the idea of doing it as a film, but then kind of keeping to some degree that literary structure, keeping that kind of Agatha Christie structure to it. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's a big movie. It's almost three hours yeah. long. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of kind of sitting and talking, and it's it doesn't have the kind of clever dialogue that people are kind of expecting from Tarantino. It doesn't have, or I mean, it has some of it, but it doesn't have that kind of, uh, that that pop. And I think people just kind of, like, people don't, like, I think people just aren't, watching it the way they should because clearly this is a film that means something to him clearly it's something where he's trying to say something because it's three i mean you know if you want to say it's like masturbatory or self-congratulatory or whatever i mean that's i mean that's your writer that's fine and i know tarantino has has his haters i'm not well, one of those haters as, as anybody watching this knows you you could you could drop that criticism on almost all of his movies if you really wanted to well and, and people do i mean yeah I mean, you could you could you could drop that like you can drop like like masturbatory on almost any kind of name filmmakers or voir. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's not, I mean, it, yeah, he's a filmmaker making films about films. He's somebody who loves movies, making movies. He's somebody with something to say. And if you just want to kind of dismiss that as like, well, you know, he's really full of himself. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, what do you want to say? Like, of course he is. Yeah. I, I don't, he's I don't, director, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I don't buy that line of criticism to any <laughs> serious right. note, really. I mean, I, mean, I would not put like Tarantino would not be on my, like first on that list of like, you know, just navel gazy masturbatory filmmakers. Yeah. I think there are other filmmakers that I would I would definitely say like Wes Anderson, you know, yeah. sort of like half of his films is is much more guilty of this. And yet he's like the yeah. critical darling or whatever. Anyway, yeah. So I will have a lot to say about this. Um, I have I have a I have a, an interpretation that I'm working on, but I've got to work through all of his other films kind of in in essay form. So again, this is something I'm saying out loud that forces me to do it. Is like there will be a series of essays on Tarantino at some point this this year. So yes. look forward to that. Next, Stridulum. That goes on my honorable mention ah. list. The Visitor. Uh, my God, this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just like, how how batshit can he be? Just a lot of times when you go through, especially all the shit we did this year, and you're just like, you know, what sticks out? And for me, it's like John Houston and the fucking lights. You know, I just keep remembering <laughs> uh, the little girl um, calling the guy a pedophile. You know? Yeah. You've got... The, the woman in the wheelchair. I mean, there's just there's just so much like disconnected stuff that just that like uh, just keeps coming back to me in this film. It was so much fun, um, yeah. to, you know, to to watch and then to talk about. And that's kind of one of those things of like, particularly when you do when you do this podcast. I mean, you know, the reason we do this because we like to talk about this stuff. You know, it's not it's not necessarily like we're sharing. It's like it's Lee and not Lee and I sitting around and talking about movies we like and and yeah. or movies we don't like or movies we just seen. So. Um, yeah, Stridulum was was one of the most uh, fun things I, I did for this podcast this year. Um, was sitting and talking to you about Stridulum. So thanks, Jack, for recommending it because I would yeah. never. I I had no idea what this was. Another one I did want to mention was Gas Pump Girls. Again, mm-hmm. on the this was really fun to talk about. Um, you know, not one that like made my list. It wasn't. It was not really on a contender on my you know best of list. But I kept thinking back to uh, us talking about it and just said uh, like that was just a lot of fun to talk about. <laughs> I'm really happy you shared that one with me. Just, just on the, you know, the girl like uh, coaxing the guy into the garage, you know, sort of yeah. thing, and the and then, um, just kind of the fun performances, the really yeah. dumb henchmen, and uh, you know, again, uh, goofy fun. And uh, but the, the real one, the real thing, like the most fun I had talking about movies with you this year was your road trip. 
that <laughs> I saw for the first time this year, so it's not really technically a part of this, but that was my favorite episode to record. And then re-listening to it, that was my favorite episode to re-listen to. Nice. <laughs> uh, was us talking about Hero Trip. <laughs> because we both very clearly were like, this is the dumbest thing ever, and yet so much fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and um, and uh, you rolled out your Vinnie Jones on us there. So you know, there's, yeah. there's if there's right. one episode where I'm like, if you want to know what really they must be destroyed on set is about, go watch Gas Pump Girls and Euro Trip because that was the two for that was the two we yeah. did together, and that was just so. Yeah. Listen great. to my terrible Vinnie Jones impersonation. <clears throat> That'd be great for everybody. Um, but yeah, no, those those are the kind of the the, the honorable mentions, the stuff that I wanted to just mention is is. Uh, you know, part of being on this show is just the experience of recording it and watching the stuff and then knowing that people are going to go out there and listen to it. And uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, um, you don't even have to see the movies. Just go listen to that episode. That is so much fun. So I'd agree. I think we, we did a great job and everyone should just fucking listen to that. And really all of our episodes are masterpieces, right? They are masterpieces. People should just bow down and pray on the altar of, they must be destroyed on site. Just saying, Especially when we talk about Tootie movies, because that's really, you know, yeah. those seem to be the ones where we really like... We are specialty, really, yeah. 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 So I have three for my uh, sort of honorable mentions. Uh, first one I'm going to mention is Zero Effect. Uh, Jake Kasdan directed Zero Effect. Fucking fantastic fucking movie. Glad that we uh, did it first time I watched it. And, man, it's just sort of, for a Sherlock Holmes fan, it's like, this is Sherlock Holmes in the 90s. It's like a perfect kind of interpretation, reimagination of Sherlock Holmes in the 90s. And it's one of those 90s movies that actually ages well. You know, it it doesn't feel like a 90s movie that, oh, fuck this shit. You know, it doesn't feel like The Crow or something like that. You know, it's like it's not it's not like buried in grimdark the way that a lot of stuff from that era was just it was just kind of like, you know, you mentioned The Crow. It's it's yeah. very like, you know, angles and, and dark shadows and like, look at how anguished everybody is. And this is not that at all. I mean, there is like there is a, a real weight to it, but it's also got a really deft touch. And um, yeah, I, I really like that movie. I'm really happy you like it as well mm-hmm. because that was one where I went, we might hate this thing, and then I'm gonna have to leave the show because <laughs> this is, you know, that's one of those. That's one of those I really think is underseen, and I think we should really be like pushing that movie because I, I really like the Zero Effect. Um, so yeah. hey, if if I didn't make you leave the show after Summer Job, then <laughs> you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> oh no, no, if you hadn't liked Zero Effect, I might have left just uh, like in a huff. <laughs> That would have been the the Yoko moment. Like I'm done. Yeah. This is over. Yeah. Uh, my next one. I'm I can't work is, with this guy anymore. Yeah, this Sorry. fucking guy. Jesus Christ. Uh, next one I'm going to mention is uh, I Am Thor from 2015, uh, directed by Ryan Weiss. Uh, this is this is kind of a personal favorite for mine, just because I really do dig uh, John Michael Thor. I he's kind of a Canadian legend to a certain degree. And uh, I do love his music quite a bit. And it's just a really kind of earnest, introspective kind of look at him and his sort of comeback tour that he was doing that sort of lasted like almost 10 years. <laughs> and uh, it's, just, it's just interesting to see this driven individual who is his own worst enemy. But at the same time, he realizes that and he's just trying to pick up the pieces and keep going on because it's the only thing he knows how to do is be a fucking heavy metal uh, musician. It's just really well done. It's it's a really great fucking documentary. I highly recommend it for any music fan. Even if you're not a fan of Thor, you can kind of really get into the sort of drive that he has uh, behind his, his sort of goals in life. And you can kind of 
you can understand where he's coming from and you can kind of root for him. It's, it's a kind of a feel good documentary in a certain way, just because you can see him still uh, sort of persevering, even though he's had so many setbacks in his life. So it, it's actually a really fun doc. Yeah. And I remember you talking about that. I, I love, I love a good rock, rock documentary. I haven't caught up with that one yet, but um, I would yeah. definitely check that out sometime. It is really good. And the other one I'll mention is the witch from 2015 by uh, Robert Eggers. And, I'm kind of hesitant to put this on my uh, uh, honorable mentions. Um, maybe if I see it a couple more times, it'd probably be on my best of list. But as right now, it's just kind of a satellite floating around my best of list. I really like it. It's very atmospheric. Visuals are amazing. Thematically, it's very interesting. And it's something I need to dig more into. But my first impression, just seeing it once, was enough to kind of burn into my brain that this is a great movie and it should be somewhere on my list, even if it's an honorable mention. And I know, I know Jack Graham thinks pretty highly of this one. I need to revisit it and get deeper into it, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Let's plan on covering it next year. Like, let's, yeah. I mean, you know, cause I haven't that, that basically, I want you to force me to watch this. So let's put it on the list for next year. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it. I really liked it. Uh, what, just, just out of one watch, I was really impressed with it. Uh, very moody, very atmospheric, looks really great. And I think there's a lot deeper stuff in there that maybe I didn't catch the first time watching, but I sort of felt like there was more going on and it just kind of resonated with me. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll jump into that one uh, next year. It's going to be on the podcast. Awesome. We'll do it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think we can jump into our main list now and uh, let you give your first pick there, Daniel. Sure. First thing, and again, this is just an alphabetical list, so, you know. The first one on my list is The Big Sleep from 1946. Nice. This is a phenomenal. I mean, you know, like, it's, uh, what, 70 years old now? Yeah. Um, Anybody who knows anything about movies should have seen this. I can't believe I waited until this year to see it. But, um, oh, my God, does it hold up. Bogart at his best, Bacall at her best. Uh, The script is phenomenal. Um, Lee Brackett, of course. Just... Again, one of the most fun things I watched this year. Really um, interesting, kind of story-wise. Great direction. I re- I read the book for the first time this year as well, um, nice. and which definitely enhanced the experience. Um, and then, of course, we did the '73 version, of which I have less pleasant things to say. Um, <laughs> that's also an episode of the podcast I thought that turned out really well. So uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, definitely worth uh, kind of going back and re-listening to that. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I feel like I said everything I had to say in that earlier episode, but um, phenomenal film and uh, one of the great joys of this year was getting to see that for the first time. So nice, nice. First one I'm going to pick is I'm Not a Serial Killer by uh, Billy O'Brien, uh, directed by him. Um, just a really moody, atmospheric, well-done horror film. Delves into a young guy who is potentially going to be a serial killer. Mm-hmm. He has he has signs of being a sociopath. He's trying to fight these sort of impulses in himself. And he suspects that uh, his next-door neighbor is a serial killer who's responsible for a number of deaths in his community. And he's determined to expose this person. It's a really interesting sort of play on that sort of idea. Looks into sort of the struggles of someone who is, you know, not necessarily going to be a serial killer, but is in danger of being so. I I found that really interesting. Like, how would you deal with that if you were diagnosed as being a bit of a sociopath who 
potentially could be a serial killer. What what would you do? How would you grow up knowing that about yourself? And then could you overcome it to any certain degree? And it's got a great performance from Christopher Lloyd. And it takes a weird supernatural turn to a certain degree, which is also quite unexpected and interesting. I, I sort of compared it, I think, when I talked about it briefly on one of the episodes to the remake of uh, Let the Right One In. I can't remember what the actual title was for the... Uh, uh, remake is Let Me In. Let Me In, yeah. So Let the Right One In. Then the, the the remake was Let Me In, and it's kind of moody in that same respect. It's got that kind of same feel to it, and it's really well done, and uh, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, no, um, you mentioned this earlier, and that's definitely one I, I, I want to see as well. I mean, that sounds really fascinating. Um, the element, the the question about, you know, how do you feel when you have this diagnosis and how do you respond to that? Um, there's actually a book by um, Richard K. Morgan called um, 13. It was published in the U.S. as 13. It's He's a British writer, and uh, originally the title was Black Man, uh, which you can mm-hmm. understand why it was not published that in, in the United States. Yeah. The premise is that there are these people who are kind of genetically modified to have this, like, 13th, like, the 13th gene pair is supposed to code for, like, aggressiveness. And so there are people who have that, like, expressed through genetic modification. And then they kind of end up being, like, enforcers and stuff. And then it kind of asks this question about, well, am I this way? I mean, is this actually, like, a genetic thing that, like, means something? Or is it just, like, they picked me, they genetically modified me, and then, like, trained me in this way to, like, turn me into this and then it, it's a a really um it's a really great book i mean rich k morgan is very very dark i mean it's this very um kind of high level science fiction concept you know mm-hmm. um i mean he's he's a very good science fiction writer but um kind of very like, conversant with like biotechnology and that sort of thing but um this book is really really interesting and um you know definitely recommend it if you if you kind of like that idea and want to see it explored to a little bit more depth then i mean yeah. while well, i'm sure the film covers it but you know a book is always going to be able to cover it to, yeah to, to more detail so um and just a great little uh crime thriller as well because it's, it's kind of about uh, it's been a while since i've read it so i'm not going to like give it a, a full like plot synopsis but definitely check it out right on worth it worth it check out all right throw over to you all right, no problem. Um, next one is Bob and Carol and Ted Dallas, um, nice. which I just love this film. I'm, you know, I just, you know, I, I saw it and I'm like, we have to put this on the list. Um, I think it's got four great performances in it. Um, right at the, right at the, you know, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. It's such a, a film about its setting and about this particular place in time. Um, it's funny. It's sexy. It's it's got its dramatic moments. It's got its character beats. Um, Bill Cosby is in it, but you can't see him, so it's great. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Again, it's kind of one. I, I feel like um, I really wish Shana had come on the episode where we talked about it. I think you know she would have like kind of expressed a lot more um, thoughts about kind of where why the film is why she and I responded to it the way we do. But um, that was definitely one that I saw. I went, oh yeah, we have to cover this on the podcast because it's just it's it's so great. It's such a a, a uh, portrait of this particular moment in culture, and um, it's just, it's really effective at what it does. I, I really enjoyed it. I know you didn't enjoy it quite as much as I did, but um, I, I really really love this film, and I'm I'm really glad I got to see it this year. Right on. Okay, uh, next one I'm going to mention is To Live and Die in L.A. from uh, William Friedkin. It's not one we talked about in the podcast, but. Uh... I was just kind of interested in checking it out, and I finally did, and I really did enjoy it quite a bit. It's kind of, uh, I didn't really originally know it was actually by William Friedkin. <clears throat> it was just like, okay, I heard The Live and Die in L.A. 
punch people talking about how great it was. And it's like, okay, and you get into it. It's like, is this a Michael Mann movie? Cause it feels very much like a Michael Mann movie to a certain degree. Like, uh, William Friedkin does a really impressive job of doing the same thing Michael Mann does and kind of making LA live and breathe as a city. Like he just, he, like, I've never been to LA. I don't know how LA really is, but with Michael Mann's films, I always kind of feel like it feels authentic. This is how LA is. It, it sells LA to you in a certain way that you believe it. And William Friedkin does it in this one. And Scott William Peterson, of course, in it basically, I, I think this was before Manhunter. Actually, I can't remember. It's either this before like 87, I think this is 85. 85. So I think it's actually before Manhunter, if I'm not mistaken. Manhunter 86. So yes. Yeah, okay, so uh, William Peterson is this uh, fucking obsessed homicide guy who uh, is looking to nail this uh, counter, this murderous counterfeiter who killed his partner on his, uh, this sort of cliched, uh, I've only got a couple more days before I retire, and, you know, of course he dies, but uh, <laughs> it's really good. It's just really kind of delves into the same thing Michael Mann does about uh, sort of uh, obsessed, highly tuned professionals who... Uh, live for their job. I was just really impressed with everything in it. It was just a really well done kind of almost epic kind of crime film and uh, well worth checking out for anyone who hasn't seen it. That's one that I've kind of long been on my, like I need to see this at some point list. Mm -hmm. I have not seen it, but uh, it sounds like we need to throw that on our crime series this year because I'd definitely be down to see it. My next one is also a crime film, so coincidentally enough. This is one I did not talk about on the podcast, and uh, also one that I know I saw some of at some point, probably on TBS in the 90s. But it's a great film. I'm You have to have seen it, and it is The Driver from 1976. Ah, uh, this is also my list. Nice. Um, did you watch it for the first time this year? Yes. Oh, well, how did we both do that except... Um, and Johnny, Isabella Johnny was in it. Yeah. And after I saw this Frog to the Vampire, I, I have to see more stuff with this woman in it. And uh, that was like first on the list. And I went, well, this is totally, I'm going to sit down and watch this. God, I wish now we'd covered it because I, I, I thought, I thought I'm an idiot for not having seen this film till now. So um, my God, this is a phenomenal fucking movie. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, um, this is a movie. It's a guy who's a driver. I mean, it's, this is such a like stereotype, right? I mean, even, um, Last week, we talked about Hugh the Winged Serpent, you know, where we have yeah. Michael Moriarty's characters like, oh, yeah, I just drive, you know. Like, it's such a, like a cliche of like, oh, yeah, the, the guy who drives. Um, but this is, uh, you know, this is a guy who's really good at his job, who's really just like the best at driving, mm-hmm. and um, kind of gets in this complicated web of deceits regardless. This is a phenomenal, like, little uh, gritty crime picture. Um, I mean, not even that gritty, really. I mean, but it, it's such a great character drama, and it's great because it's, it's both kind of uh, of the moment and very archetypal because none of the characters have names they all just have titles which is always fun because there's like <laughs> the driver and the girl and you know that sort of thing so um yeah and uh isabella gianni is phenomenal in this as well so i uh, definitely uh, definitely worth checking out uh, what are your thoughts on the driver i was really impressed with how kind of clockwork the whole structure of the plot was like it was just very economical and very very tightly shot very well done uh i, I liked how all the performances were very uh 
sort of rein back. And um, I could definitely see where uh, Drive got a lot of its, well, initially got a lot of its influence from. Like Drive goes in different directions, but Drive definitely kind of steals a lot from this film. Uh, essentially, sort of the uh, ignition into the plot, at least the sort of initial, I'm the getaway driver, I'm the best getaway driver, and I give you this much time of my life. And if you can't pull off your crime in this time, then I drive away, you know, like that sort of same idea. Very, very gritty. Like Bruce Dern's fucking amazing in this is this fucking crazy obsessed cop who all of his coworkers fucking hate him because he's a fucking jerk off asshole. But he's, he's that kind of charismatic asshole who keeps them reined in and, and they're kind of, they're kind of, swept in with him because they if if they try to step out of line they're going to go down in flames you know with and so it's really really nice and I like how he's so obsessed with um, shit. What's what's uh, uh, Ryan O'Neill? Ryan O'Neill yeah, from, yeah. Love, from fucking Love Story. Ryan O'Neill from right. fucking Love Story in this is a really cold fucking calculating criminal. It's just a back and forth between those two and this is kind of a remake of Le Samurai. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen that, but um, I have not seen that one. It's again on my list of like I have to see that at some point. But yeah, yeah but it, it's very much kind of a remake of that. I don't know if it's a conscious remake or an unconscious remake. I, I never really delved too deep into the details for that, but uh, it feels very much like *The Samurai* of this highly tuned professional who is almost um, almost autistic in a way. Like he's just so uh, yeah, right. outside of everybody else, you know and yeah, it's a great movie. Fucking great movie. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it sounds like *The Samurai* and *The Driver* needs to be a two-part that we do uh, later this year. <laughs> the great <laughs> thing about doing the the uh, best of list is that we just like make more lists for movies we need to see. So. Yeah. Uh, so what's next on your list, there, Lee? Okay, um, I will also list *The Visitor* <laughs> from 1979. <laughs> nice. I fucking love this film. Uh, it's just fucking crazy. It's so fucking nuts. It's kind of the uh, epitome of nutty Italian filmmaking from that period. But it's yep. like high it's high level nutty Italian filmmaking. Like big budget behind it. You got Franco Nero Space Jesus. <laughs> you got John Houston as fucking Obi Wan fucking Kenobi basically fucking leading this cult of fucking airbenders around, you know, <laughs> bald headed motherfuckers and it's just it's fucking nuts and it's got elements of like fucking the omen and fucking the exorcist almost and it's 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 so fucking crazy. It shouldn't fucking work, but there's so many great actors behind it, and there's so much talent behind this fucking thing, and there's so much money behind this thing that it all fucking pulls together in this weird way. And I just... I'm in awe of how fucking well it actually works, and it's just so weird. And I'm not going to pretend that I understand it 100%, but I don't fucking care. It's just enjoyable. Like, this is a movie I've watched... A- this is this is this is the this is the film that Omni magazine was made for. Like that's what this <laughs> is. I mean, it was the seventies. Everybody was high the entire fucking time and everybody loved fucking aliens. That was you know close yeah. encounters and spirituality and crystals and you know all that. And that and all of that came together and then like the universe just gave us Trigulum. That's what that film is, you know. <laughs> it's the man who fell to earth on more acid. That's what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I i really do like it and more people should watch that fucking movie because yeah. goddamn, it's really good and again thanks to jack graham for you know pushing pushing us in, a, in that direction so exactly yeah. yeah yeah all right go ahead um my next one is four of the apocalypse nice 
Yep. Nice. Um, I have not gotten a chance to rewatch this since we did it on the podcast, but um, it was my favorite of the new spaghetti westerns we saw this this year. So I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to include that one. I did. I did also love the Lee Van Cleef movies, but not you know in a different way. Um, this is yeah, yeah. this is just a fascinating film. I mean, there's such a kind of thematic resonance here. Um, I really want to kind of dig into this at some point and really kind of figure out what's what's going on in it. Um, but um, I really want to read the uh, the short stories it's based on because I think yeah, really. Kind of the key to really unlocking it, but yeah, phenomenal film. Um, I'd never heard of it before you recommended it. Honestly, when I when you recommended it, I was not kind of in that. You know, again, you give me a title and I just kind of go and watch it. I'm not necessarily sure what I'm what I'm looking at, but um, mm-hmm. my God, that's Fulci, right? I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. It's definitely my favorite Fulci film so far. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, hands down. Really, really enjoyed that film. It's a gem. Um, and uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, who has any interest in the Western, like just the Western genre, not it, not even spaghetti Westerns and not even like, it's really not even a Western as much as it, it's kind of the story that takes place in the West, but it's much more kind of about the experience of being human in this kind of environment more so than it's like, yeah. you know, there's not like a big gunfight and all that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't, it doesn't do the thing that you expect Westerns to do. I think it's a Western that people who don't like Westerns would, could, could enjoy. And I yeah. wish that, I wish that we had more of that in that genre that it didn't hew to that kind of straight you know structure that we're kind of used to in terms of well every western film has to end with a big gunfight you know yeah it doesn't um, depend on the tropes of a western at all like it's just kind of goes on it's a western in setting more than genre if that makes sense yeah, yeah 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 um so yeah no um thank you so much for recommending that one to me because that was a phenomenal film and um definitely when i was thinking of like what has to go on this list for the apocalypse was one of the like three that I was like are definitely on this list regardless for the horseman was on that list. No yeah, that's, I'm, I'm happy I liked it. All right, next one for me, I'm going to go Hush uh, from Mike Flanagan. Sort of a, I guess, home invasion film to a certain degree slash uh, slasher film kind of thing, but takes a really interesting new kind of original spin on the whole thing. And I was duly impressed with it. It's kind of my favorite horror movie of the year. I was, I was really impressed with the central performance from the uh, female lead who is either the wife or girlfriend of Mike Flanagan. She does a really great job. She plays a character who is deaf and she's stalked by a serial killer, mass serial killer who um, takes great pleasure in hunting people with his bow and arrow in secluded rural areas. And he basically just it's it's kind of a it's kind of a siege film, kind of a home invasion film, slasher film, and it's really logically done. I just it it takes her disability into account, and uh, she's a character who has to actually work through her disability to persevere and survive. And uh, the way the film presents it and does it is really well done, and I just. Really loved it. I, I it was really well done as far as suspense goes. You never know what's going to happen. It, it gives you some big moments really right at the first of the film that kind of uh, jar you a little bit and set set the tone for the entire film. And I was kind of on the edge of my seat through the whole thing. I was actually really invested in it, and it it really worked on me. So uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. See it while you can. It's a great fucking film. It's a great horror film. I think really well done. Awesome. Uh, the way you describe it, it makes me think of uh, a film from the nineties called Jennifer eight. I don't know if you've seen that, which is a serial killer film about a guy stalking a woman who's blind. 
And that is not nearly as good as Hush. It's got Andy Garcia in it. Okay, um, I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever seen it, though. <laughs> Which I kind of think we should now pair these two up and discuss together. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I remember you talking about it, and it definitely sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm definitely down for that. So yeah. Do love it. Do love it. All right. Um, my next start? one. My next one is Green Room. Ah. Yep. Last year, Blue Ruin was on my list. Blue Ruin might actually be my favorite film of last year. Like, honestly, like, kind of thinking back on it, um, I really loved Blue Ruin. I don't like Green Room as much as Blue Ruin, but I really like the film. I just, I keep coming back to it. And, like, I again, like, when you're, when I'm piecing this together, it's kind of, what do I remember? And I remember that, like, constantly increasing tension. I remember that first, like, three quarters of the film, which I think is, or the kind of two-thirds of the film, I think it becomes much more conventional, you know, in the kind of the last mm-hmm. third, and that's where it kind of, I kind of, it falls off for me. But, God, it's such an amazing film. This filmmaker is really one we're going to be yeah. uh, following Jeremy for a while. Salander is yeah. fucking amazing, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely um, this is one we're going to have to cover as well and kind of dig into it in, in more detail. But, yeah, God, really, really phenomenal uh, stuff. And uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, check it out. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, I'll just echo your thoughts because that's on my list as well, Green Room. <laughs> and Patrick, Patrick Stewart as a Nazi. like you know, as a no- And as, done. you know, the most uh, inconspicuously, you know, kind of rational Nazi, you know, like he's just this fucking, he's, he's this very pragmatic kind of guy who's like, you know, move these fire extinguishers away from the fucking door or whatever, you know, because, you know, you'll you'll break our fire codes in our, in our fucking building and shit, like, it's 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 real like everything all everything he does is so calculated it's 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 amazing to watch his performance and he's just he's so fucking evil but it's right, so yeah. banal the way he's so evil is the, at the same time he's not he's not you know foaming at the mouth and yelling at people he's just so fucking calculatedly evil and mean and nasty. Well, and and he uses the fact that he's likable and he uses the fact yeah. that he's respectable as a way of uh, manipulating the people around him. You know, yep. you know, not just the cops, but our, our kind of heroes who are kind of trapped in the titular green room. So, yeah, no, um, really, really phenomenal film. Again, not a perfect film, but definitely when I was going through my list, so yeah, no, this this deserves a, a, a pride of place on my list. Oh, I love how he almost talks him out of the fucking room. He almost talks oh, yeah. him out of that fucking he's, room. He's like, he's like 90% of the way there, and then it's just like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. He's still a Nazi, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to be cool. It's not going to be cool. If this is not this is, this is not this is not what we need to do right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, really great stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's you're up again. I'm up again. Nice. Um, Hangover Square. Um, nice. This was uh, definitely one. Uh, I don't. Did I put any? I guess I put uh, two straight noir films on my list this year. Um, yeah. You know, because the big sleep just had to go on there. But Hangover Square, God, I love this movie. I've, I mean, you know, again, this is one of my favorite episodes we recorded this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, just a, a really, really interesting character bit, uh, and really multiple. I mean, you know, really both uh, Krieger and Darnell are both uh, phenomenal in this. Yeah. Criminally underseen. I think Miles better than The Lodger, which I also liked but did not make this list for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is really really great stuff. De- I mean, just phenomenal uh, film. Uh, go back and listen to our episode, and if you don't want to, yeah, see really, it, because I don't our, know why. our like honestly, like if you're listening to us, you should see this film. That's just kind of where I land on it. 
I, you yeah, know? I, was, I was about to say that's one of our criminally under listened to podcasts at this point too. <laughs> that that one's that one's only I think in, the last time I checked it is only swirling around in like seventy listens or something like that. Where you know that's that's not one of our better ones as far as listens go. Someone yeah, should nobody, jump into that. No, nobody, nobody wants to uh, listen to us talk. I mean, it, it is we do talk about for two and a half hours. I think about like two obscure films from the <laughs> yeah. So I understand why people are like yeah I don't yeah, I don't know any of these films, but just go and Google that Bernard Herman suite. Mm-hmm. Um, from the end, and then just listen to that. And if you don't want to watch the film, again, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Like, <laughs> I cannot recommend this film highly enough. It's phenomenal. I, it's, I don't it's know. a brilliant film. I don't... Anyone who watches that film and isn't fucking swept away by Krieger doing that Bernard Herrmann suite at the end of the film with his fucking piano while everything's just going batshit wrong... I, if, if you don't love that, I don't know what the fuck you're watching movies for, honestly. Right, right. <laughs> it's I mean, so good. I, I keep coming back to, like, this is the kind of thing that you would imagine, like, a, a David Fincher would do. With, mm-hmm. with, and, and, it, and this is in 1945. Like, to see that kind of thing, to see that kind of, like, just the like, crazy explosion of cinema of, like, we're going to burn the fucking place down while this guy plays a piano. I mean, it's so gothic and morbid and brilliant and, and visual and of the moment, you know, like it's, it's such this like great, I mean, it's just, it's a phenomenal thing. And I, I'm astonished that anybody is like, <laughs> I'm astonished that everybody didn't like just go watch that movie immediately after it's like, Oh, well, Hangover Square, you know, <laughs> yeah. so go watch, go fucking watch Hangover Square. Yeah. That's the takeaway from this. Stop being yeah. stupid and watch Hangover Square, you assholes. Yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why people don't, and then listen to our episode. Cause that was a great episode. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That I talked what... about Superman in that episode. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one I'm going to mention is Hell or High Water from 2016, uh, directed by David McKenzie. This is the uh, Jeff Bridges as uh, an aging Texas Ranger near retirement, chasing down two brothers who are knocking over mid-level credit unions in Texas. And fuck, is it amazing. It's so good. The performances are great. But the fact that this is a movie that is uh, both kind of a neo-noir and at the same time kind of a throwback to classic westerns, but at the same time, everyone in the film knows that they're kind of acting in a classic western to a certain degree, and they know that their time is up and that the time of classic westerns and that mentality is long past. It's kind of funny to me. They sort of comment on it a little bit. It's also a movie just about outdated kind of... uh, morals and notated attitudes and how they're not quite gone from people. And some of them are going to lead people into really bad paths in their life. And it's a fucking amazing crime film and it's one people should see. It's really, really well done. I think the only downfall in this is that Jeff Bridges needs to stop talking like his character from true grit and every fucking movie he does now, he needs to stop that shit. But other than that, it's really good. Yeah, no, this is definitely on my uh, we-need-to-cover list, and I'm just going to dive right into my next one because, again, um, Mystery Road, which is a lot of the same uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the same kind of uh, connective tissue there. Um, definitely one we need to cover as a, as a full episode. And it sounds like all of the things that you said about Hell or High Water I could also say about uh, Mystery Road. Mystery Road is also, uh, you know, this, I, I always love uh, movies that give me a perspective on a world that I'm not in. You know, or kind of a part of the world that, that I'm not. And, uh, you know, this kind of rural Australia 
kind of looking at looking at that kind of those kinds of communities and kind of the the racial injustices and that sort of things kind of happening right there um i really loved um the kind of that aspect of it this great kind of noirish western i mean it's probably more kind of tilted towards the western and the noir but it's sort of a noir plot kind of built into this kind of western environment so uh yeah just a again a phenomenal film could be the best film i saw this year quite honestly um i'd I'd have to rewatch it before i'd really feel confident about saying that but um really really great stuff and uh check it out yeah that was sort of circling um i just left it off my honorable mentions just to try to shorten my list a little bit but uh yeah yeah, that's that's a great film and it's cut it's kind of um kind of a modern day successor to uh, Lone Star. I I feel like it's it's kind of yeah. on the same level. Lone Star was just off my honorable mention list again to kind of keep it to 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 a to mm-hmm. a to not um just talk forever. But uh, yeah, Lone Star again, um, one of John Sales' best, and um, one I saw for the first time this year. And and um, that's a great that's a great double feature if you ever um, yeah you sit down like Lone Star and then Mystery Road. That would be a great like Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you know? Totally agree. Uh, next one I'm going to mention is Rolling Thunder from 1977. This is one I've always just sort of wanted to watch, and I finally uh, did it this year, and I was totally amazed. It's this great fucking revenge film uh, about a war vet who comes back, and he is he is wronged incredibly badly. He's just he he, he sort of he, he comes back and he gets rewarded with some gold and stuff for being a war hero and. Some uh, good old boys sort of take advantage of that and uh, attack his house and uh, kill his wife and cripple him. And he decides to uh, get revenge on them with the help of uh, Tommy Lee Jones as his uh, crazy fucking PTSD afflicted sidekick who is just nuts and ready for killing people. And they do. They kill a lot of people. And it's a fucking amazing film. It's It sort of straddles the line between sort of mainstream like... Uh, <clears throat> If you would consider like Deliverance kind of mainstream more than an exploitation film, it kind of straddles that line. It's kind of on that level where it sort of is kind of exploitation, but it's also kind of a mainstream film at the same time. And it's really well done. It's very economical. Kind of ends like an Italian film. It's like as soon as it ends, it ends basically. And I love it. It's it's great. Uh, And it's just bizarre because he he replaces his crippled hand with this uh, fucking steel hook. And he uses it at least a couple times to kill people, too. And it, it, it sounds like it's really bad. It sounds like it's really cheap and stupid and schlocky, but it's not at all. It's taken really super seriously, and it's really well done. And it's a fucking classic, and I'm glad I finally took the time to fucking watch it. Because it's uh, well yeah. worth all the accolades it's gotten. Yeah, it sounds, sounds really good. I'd definitely like to see it. I have not seen that, but I'd really love to see that sometime. I, I just wrote it down, so hopefully I'll eventually. <laughs> nice. I always forget after we record, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to see, and then, you yeah, know, no. I got to write it down. So that's how we go. Next one for me is Night Moves. Nice. Um, again, one, what else am I going to say except for what we already said about that yeah. one? Hackman's brilliant performance. I mean, whole, I mean, all the performances were in that. I mean, Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields is amazing in this movie, you know? phenomenal film about this guy who thinks he's solving one crime and really he's failing to solve another, you know? Yeah. Um, really deep introspective. It's a character study. It's a, a kind of deconstruction of the detective film. And um, it's this kind of uh, twilight of the seventies, this kind of malaise kind of thing, just a brilliant little film. It's not this big thing that you're going to like look at and, and 
be blown away by the spectacle. It's this small little movie, but it's brilliant. And it's, it's um, absolutely one of the best things I've seen in a long time, quite honestly. Although you met Melanie Griffith instead of Brooke Shields. Oh, Melanie Griffith. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brooke, Shields right. was, Brooke Shields was naked in the Blue Lagoon. Yeah, at that in the Blue point. Lagoon, yes. No, I, I thought I thought 17-year-old girl naked in when I met Brooke Shields. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's only a couple no, of underage Griffith. girls right. to choose from. <laughs> right. yeah. So many. So many underage girls. No. FBI, don't pay attention to me. Right Tracer, Tracy Large was still doing porn at that point. Well, actually, she wasn't even doing porn at that point, but, you know. Yeah. You know what we mean. Next one I'm going to go... Actually, I, I, I lied. My favorite horror movie, actually, this year was uh, We Are Still Here uh, from 2015 by uh, Ted Gilgan. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. But uh, this this awesome throwback to Fulci that kind of takes the Fulci aesthetic but actually gives it a story that's sort of really solidly grounded and is understandable. So it, it's like the host by the cemetery, except there's actually a story there and you can understand it. So it, it really works really well. It's got this amazing performance from Barbara Crampton, who has always just sort of been this sort of genre star ever since the eighties and horror movies and stuff. But she just gives this great sort of stoic kind of performance as this grieving mother who moves into this house with her husband and they start to think maybe their, uh, their dead son is there somewhere talking to them. But, turns out there's even more sinister stuff going on and it's a really well done supernatural film it it's not like these fucking uh, paranormal activity bullshit films it's really well done it's really horrific in parts and it's a really good film as far as throwback to kind of recreating those films from the 1970s and early 80s that we may have watched in the sort of the big old uh, clamshell cases and shit that, you know, it's a, Oh, it looks really great. Cause it's got a great cover on it. You know, at the video store and we rent it and it's shit, but this turns out to actually be a good one, you know, and fuck, I, I highly recommend this. It's a great film. I highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in kind of uh, paranormal sort of slash Fulci kind of horror movies. If you're looking for something really great like that, we are still here is the kind of movie you want to seek out. I think, this is one I um, <laughs> torrented like right after you told me about it originally. Mm-hmm. Downloaded it and then never hit play on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got to make the uh, I've got to make the effort to to get to that uh, sometime soon. But yeah, no, it sounds it sounds phenomenal. And um, yeah, again, if you say it's the best horror movie you saw this year, um, it definitely has to go to the top of my list as something that um, I need to check out. Nice. Uh, my next one is the best horror movie I saw this year. Um, and that was uh, Nosferatu the Vampire. Ah! Um, <laughs> Herzog, obviously. Um, this is, uh, I mean, again, what can I say that we didn't talk about on yeah. the podcast? Uh, but, my God, phenomenal film. Kinski's, possibly Kinski's greatest performance. I think we've uh, yeah, we kind of chatted about that. that. I mean, we covered it so recently, it's kind of hard to find new things to say about it. But, uh brilliant, brilliant thematic film. It absolutely lives up to the original. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, I mean, you know, it's hard to live up to the like progenitor of all vampire films to some degree. Yeah. It does. I mean, it absolutely does by kind of doing the same thing, but also being kind of about something very different in, in a lot of ways. And um, yeah. just a phenomenal experience. Um, I mean, Herzog 
possibly the greatest living director, you know, we could say, you know, one of them. I would, uh, he's, he's up there. He's in the top three or four for me. Yeah, so no, no, I, I probably wouldn't say absolutely the greatest, but, but definitely up there. And those front of the vampires is like a peak Herzog as far as I'm concerned in terms of, yeah. in terms of just what Herzog does. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. And if you did not listen to that episode and then want to go see it, you need to go see it. It's, um, it's, it's up there. It's phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah, you should definitely listen to that episode. It's one of our best ones, and actually, that's—I think that might have surpassed our other one we did with Jack. It might have uh, surpassed Blue Velvet and um, uh, Blood yeah, Simple. Yeah, I think it might right now be surpassing that as our most downloaded, listened to episode. So uh, yeah. there you go. Next, so everyone's been... already already uh, listened to that episode, so we shouldn't have even mentioned. Yeah, that, the, so the whole hundred and seventy people that have listened to that one. Uh, you know, out of the 7 billion people in the world or whatever, but, you know, there we go. It's it's great for us, though. It, it might as well be everybody in the world uh, for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. If, like, if, like, 30 people are listening, then I'm like, yeah, good. No, uh, I'm, I'm famous. You know? I'm fucking over... I'm just overwhelmed by how many people actually do listen. It's amazing to see it every fucking week. My next one I'm going to mention is Bad Day at Black Rock from 1955 by John Sturgis. Fucking... Incredible! It's it's both western and a noir, and it's Spencer Tracy with one arm kicking Ernest Borgnine's ass. Uh, <laughs> I.e. cinematic genius. <laughs> it, it's fucking amazing. It's such a great film, and I just don't want to go into much detail because we're eventually going to cover it. Yeah, we, so. we have to cover that. That's a phenomenal film. Yeah, but that's, my that's, god, yeah. it's it, and this is just like. Spencer Tracy is like his last film with with uh, that studio. I think it was uh, MGM. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's just you know sort of his go away film, and he gives it his all in this fucking film, and he's amazing, and it's got a great cast around it. I mean, like I said, Ernest Borgnine, Robert Ryan, fucking Lee Marvin is they're all just there as the heavies, and Spencer Tracy is just convincing as this veteran of World War Two who just walks into this sleepy town and gets answers to questions that uh, no one else would ask. And it's amazing. It's, it's just, it's just classic by the book, fucking noir and, and Western mixed into one. And it's probably the best example I've ever seen of sort of uh, Western and noir mixed into one film. And it's just yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just, it's just an experience. And there, there is a sense in which, you know, you talk about stuff from like the old stuff from the fifties and it, you know, you're just kind of like, well, it's kind of like homework, you know, it's kind of, you know, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you kind of, I mean, we, we, I mean, even though we love this stuff, there is a certain amount of like, well, you know, you kind of have to make yourself like kind of understand the world. No, this isn't that film. This is a phenomenal, yeah. like, experience, just a, a cinematic experience. You know, is it dated to some degree? Yeah, because anything from that era is going to be. It doesn't look like it's made in 2016. That's to its yeah. credit. You know, yeah. <laughs> wonderful stuff. One of the greatest westerns ever made. One of the greatest noirs ever made. Go see it. You know. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I want to rewatch it right now, just talking about it. So, you know, go check it out. Yeah. So, uh, over to you now. Yeah. I th- think this is, this is my last one. So, it should be your last as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless we miscounted somewhere. Um, and this is one I know you've seen um, that we did not discuss on the podcast. And it's The Rover. Um, ah. From 2014, I think. This is the Guy Pierce. Uh, this is kind of a Mad Max in real life, in a way. Yeah. Um, it's got Guy Pierce. He's uh, driving through the desert. There's a. It's kind of post-apocalyptic, but it's sort of this financial apocalypse. It's sort of implied. 
deep, uh, interesting character study, a, a study of a world, uh, this kind of like brilliant photography. Again, um, lots of kind of Western-inspired imagery, although this isn't really a Western. It's not really sci-fi. It's, uh, I mean, it is, but it isn't. And it's it's just this kind of deep, interesting character study um, in a crime film. And just, again, one of the things that I look for in, in kind of like making, one of the things, I mean, I keep coming back to movies because I want an experience. I want to really be driven somewhere interesting and this is what this film does um i think to some degree the reveal of what what's in the why he wants this car so badly is is okay you know we didn't need that i I think that was kind of that's kind of the one thing where it's like yeah that's a little uh chintzy but up until that last moment it's it's a pretty i mean it's just it's just no perfect i mean it is just like clockwork and yet it doesn't it doesn't feel like it works with that ruthless efficiency it just kind of does in retrospect you know sort of thing amazing film you watched it and then i watched it but we didn't cover it together on the podcast but um again one that people should really go see yeah and uh fucking fucking guy pierce man what a underrated actor like i i, I can't believe this guy's actually underrated because He's fucking so he's such a premier fucking world class actor, yet at the same time it seems like he's never in anything too big. You see him once in a while in something big, but he just he's he's not quite mainstream for some weird reason, and I don't get it because he's just so it's, good. I, I almost think it, it might be just he never found I mean, Memento is kind of that one big thing he did, right? And I think maybe it's just he never really like the, the idea that Memento, which everybody has seen, but not not a film that is well, you know, like uh, kind of a big household name, sort of. Well, what sort about of what about him in L.A. Confidential too? Oh, he's like L.A. Confidential is uh, that I when I think Guy Pierce, I think L.A. Confidential. Honestly, yeah. Um, I was getting there. I was just going to mention Memento <laughs> yeah. first so I can get to L.A. Confidential. That's one I've been pushing to do on this podcast for a while because I love that fucking movie. Um, and uh, I think it would fit into a crime a film yes. series again particularly as it's kind of uh, look at noir, but I mean, you look at him in that, but I mean, it's such a great performance, but he kind of gets overshadowed by Russell Crowe in that. A little bit. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Not to say, he, I mean, he, he's in a film with Russell Crowe and Kevin Spacey and Kim Basinger and yeah. Danny DeVito and doesn't disappear into the background, mm-hmm. you know, and that in and of itself is enough, right? But I think he's he's never found, you know he's not interested in doing the star. He's not he's not he never put on tights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he never went out and did this thing where he's going to be the huge star. He's always kind of been the the lead, but kind of a character actor lead. I mean, uh, ravenous. I mean, come on, right. we've talked. Ravenous is what episode three of this podcast, you know? So we've been talking about Guy Pierce for a while. I mean, he's kind of the patron saint of they must be destroyed, on site, <laughs> right? You know, um, we have an Australian star character actor as our yeah. as our patron saint. <laughs> no, our our real patron saint. I'm going to mention. I'm going to mention our real patron saint here shortly. But you know, like. Uh, All no, right. A great actor. I, I. It's funny how it, you're right. He is underrated, but it's like who underrates him? Like who has seen his stuff and goes, "Well, that guy is just a hack." No, he's yeah. he's genius. But I think it's an understated genius a lot of times. You know, it's kind of like he's he's really good, but he's not showy all the time. And I think that that's the thing. You know. Well, okay, uh, maybe underrated is the wrong term. Maybe just overlooked all the time. Like yeah. just kind of forgotten, overlooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is sad because he's so fucking good. So yeah, and the rover. The rover is great. Go check yeah. out the rover. Glad you liked it. I'm very glad you liked it. Uh, my last one I'm going to mention is Long Goodbye from Robert Altman, 1973. 
fucking amazing film. I'm glad you fucking suggested it, and it is the best film I saw this year, and it blew me the fuck away, and I've watched it several times since then, and it's a fucking great noir. It takes noir and turns it on its fucking head. It, it takes a character out of time and puts him in context to a much different time, and it works, and all the performances are great. Elliot Gould is fucking amazing. Can't say enough great things about it. Go back and listen to our episode if you want to see all my thoughts, but it's... Yeah. yeah uh, it's a fucking amazing film. I'm so glad you loved that movie because I... I mean, I saw that a few years ago and just fell in love with it, and uh, the minute we started talking about Noir, I know we have to talk about The Long Goodbye. We have to talk about The Long Goodbye. Um, one of the great examples of Noir, one of the great examples of Neo-Noir, one of the great films in the 70s, Robert Altman's I mean, the overlooked, I mean, Robert Altman is kind of one of those, you know, like he's got such a great filmography that it's yeah. really easy to overlook really phenomenal films from him. But I think this deserves to be up there with his greatest films ever. I, I mean, agree. I would put this above lots of other films from Robert Altman that people say are like, you know, I put this above the player or shortcuts, which people kind of love that kind of 90s stuff. Um, I would put this above mash quite honestly. I mean, I, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, this is, this might be my favorite Robert Altman film, quite honestly. Hey, man, if you, if you if you can beat Julianne Moore's vagina, then you have a great film on your hands. That's all I have to say right there. <laughs> of course, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna just leave the beat Julianne Moore's vagina thing. And, and you know, and you know, with, there. you know, with me, let's... that's that. You know, with me, that's a tough decision. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know how you feel. About, <laughs> how you feel about Julianne Moore and her and her um, vagina? So, yeah. her lady parts. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 labia, the the bush, you know, the yeah. the the bottoms only nudity, you know. <laughs> oh, we're a couple of uh, we're a couple of perverts. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really happy you love that film because I, I thought you would, but um, I, to hear you call that your best of the year, it's just it's really heartening to me because um, yeah, I, I can't I can't think of anything that touches it honestly. As, as much as there was great stuff I saw this year, it's like. No, this is the one I've watched like five times this year, and I keep coming back to it in my brain. It's like so good. So fucking good. If I had to pick one from my list, it might be Mystery Road, honestly. Mm-hmm. Just that's the one that I kind of have the emotional hit to. I, I think that like for me overall, twenty sixteen was a year where there wasn't there wasn't one that really stands out. Like even like this list, I mean I could make another list that's equally good, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of really solid stuff. Not a lot that really kind of like hit me as like genius, you know. I guess Night Moves might be a big one for me, but yeah, yeah. I f- I find my watching this year like kind of looking over the list. It was a, like an eccentric year in terms of what I watched and what I did. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of stuff that I enjoyed that I thought was interesting, but it didn't necessarily kind of like push all my buttons in quite that way. That that something like. But then I also watched a lot of the stuff that I already like you know there was like the long goodbye which i already loved and like getting to revisit that and then talk about it with you was just a great experience in and of itself so um a lot of the stuff i watched was stuff that i've already seen a bunch so you know yeah we and we've really jumped around this year uh, with a lot of stuff like we've really sort of jumped from genre to genre we kind of expanded our, uh, our our sort of boundaries a little bit i think so we've 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 really sort of touched on a lot of different stuff this year that we didn't do the first year we were doing this actually i how many years have we been doing this now? Is it this two or is, three? This, this is our. We started in like kind of. I think early 2015 was when we started. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, or, or either late 2014, maybe, like kind of towards the end. Um, and I, I do, uh, I do have a, a reference to our very first uh, proto episode coming up here very shortly. So okay. you know, we'll 
kind of talk about our origins a bit if you're interested in that. Yeah. Because um, I have a list of great performances that I, I wanted to mention. Um, throw, throw them out there, man. Throw them out there. This was because there were a lot of films. I mean, again, it's kind of an eccentric year, so there were a lot of films where, like, it's not like the film itself doesn't necessarily deserve a place on my list, but there's a there's a performance or two performances or there's something in it that I really wanted to. So I did want to just kind of call out some of this stuff. And the first one was Christian Bale in The Big Short, which I don't think you've seen yet. No, um, I haven't seen it. The Big Short is a I, I I recorded an intermission episode where I talked yeah. about that and then Spotlight and. Uh, the Big Short is a movie I've actually rewatched a couple of times. Like, I've re- I think it's just a really kind of fun watch, but it's also kind of like you know I kind of have a, a weakness for films that are about you know like rich white guys destroying the world with paperwork. You know? <laughs> um, I kind of have a weakness for that. I enjoy the film a lot. I'd love to chat about it with you at some point. I don't know that yeah. it's like uh, your kind of film, but I, I really enjoyed it, and it's just kind of like almost a a popcorn movie for me at this point. But Christian Bale. Uh, in our very first like proto episode, we talked about uh, American Hustle. Yeah, and I don't like Christian Bale in that movie. And no, I, I'm I'm really kind of on the fence about him as an actor in general. He is phenomenal in The Big Short, um, and he's actually acting. He's basically he's playing a character. He's playing I forget the guy's real name, but he's playing a guy, a real guy who's actually autistic oh, yeah. or Asperger's or you know kind of neurodivergent in some way. And I have actually seen people who are – I have a friend who is neurodivergent herself who is autistic and actually advocates for autistic kind of needs people and, you know, like people mm-hmm. who are autistic and, and neurodivergent and says, like, that's the first time I ever saw myself like represented on screen. Like that mm-hmm. is a completely valid portrayal. And to have her describe it that way. Nice. You know, normally, like you would not see a non-neurodivergent person would not be described positively. But you know, it's just it's just not like you should cast a someone who's actually autistic. But no, the this performance is astonishing and how good it is. And it, it was really like I thought it was good, and then I heard her talk about it, and she has taste, like she knows what she's talking about. She has a PhD in English lit, um, so it was very much on that. Like I really need to start paying attention again, and then I rewatched the film through that lens. And it's just it's it's even better. So um, I would highly recommend. Uh, I love the film. I really do enjoy the film. It's not perfect, but I really enjoy it. But that performance is just astonishing, and uh, it's it's my favorite Christian Bale performance by far. That's interesting because um, there's been a few films in the last couple of years that have sort of centered on characters who are autistic to some degree, uh-huh. or maybe they just have like OCD, you know, or whatever. Like the Denzel Washington uh, Equalizer film. Is he's mm-hmm. essentially supposed to be like a character of like some sort of extreme form of OCD that miraculously makes him a super fucking killer, you know? But whatever. Right. But uh, which but, is completely within realistic, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can take out a whole room of Russian gangsters in like fifteen seconds because he's planned out all the moves beforehand. But you know, but there was another one that I saw that I left off my list, but I really liked. It was the uh, the accountant with Ben Affleck, where he's playing a character that's supposed to be uh, some sort of level of autism. I don't know. It's, it's like some sort of high functioning autistic uh, uh, autistic from, spectrum. ASD, yeah, I, sure. yeah, I, I've heard I've heard different accounts of whether it's authentic or not. Like a lot, I've seen some people say, "Yeah, that's actually kind of authentic," and then I've seen a lot of people say, "No, this is offensive. You shouldn't watch this movie because it shits on autistic people." But I really enjoyed it, and it was really interesting, and it was it was one of uh, Affleck's better performances I've seen in quite a while. So uh, it was I've heard I've heard kind of interesting things about that. I definitely want to want to give that a shot sometime. 
um, because yeah. I I do rate Affleck as an actor. I think he gets a. I mean, he do, he's done a lot of shit, but he gets a kind of unfairly shit on for. I like, totally I mean, agree. Yep. I'm definitely on that. Like, yeah, he's a dude who was fine with taking with with getting a paycheck. You know, yeah. Like, what do you do for a living? You know what I mean? Guy, like, guy paid his dues, and then he got to the point where he can be a director and uh, do shit. Yeah. So, and every everything he's directed so far has been at least decent, and mm-hmm. and his acting has been great in the last little while. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people aren't yeah. totally shitting on. Totally agree. Agreed. The uh, next one I would mention, Laird Krieger from The Lodger. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, and and Hangover Square. I mean, he's phenomenal yeah. in both. But uh, particularly in The Lodger, he's such this. Um, another film we um, over on my other uh, one of my other podcasts, we're doing the Wrong with Authority, and mm-hmm. we talked about Murder by Decree and right. um, From Hell in our first in our first episode. I definitely kept thinking about the lodger because that's about the Jack the Ripper case. I mean, even though the lodger isn't, it's not. Uh, I don't think that that one is. Is that one explicitly about the Ripper, or is it just about? Um, it's essentially, a, uh, it's essentially the Ripper case without naming him as the Ripper. Essentially, right, right. Yeah, I mean, they they wanted to have the freedom to just kind of make it be about the same kind of idea. It, 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 play, it plays off the myth. It, it plays off the yeah. idea of like, what if the, what if Jack Ripper was living in your boarding house during the times of the Whitechapel murders? Like it, it's kind of that it's, it's just a really good horror premise basically taken from that real life story. I want to rewatch the lodger. Um, a, because it's, I mean, it's brilliant. And I, um, I think I pointed us to a, uh, a really nice essay kind of when we covered yes. that one. Yeah. Um, again, I put a lot of work into that episode. Come on guys. Like, like, Go and listen to that. And watch people, people should people should listen to that's one of our best episodes. So, uh, but but also uh, again, kind of when we did wrong with authority, when we did the Jack the Ripper case, I, I started uh, uh, looking into the Ripper case, like because I didn't really know anything about Jake the Ripper mm-hmm. until I started looking into it, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, I really need to go rewatch the Lodger now to like <laughs> you know plug into that a little bit more. But um, no, uh, Krieger was a genius. Um, yep. He was he was uh, taken before his time in really terrible circumstances, and um, yeah. I mean, if there's if there are, I mean, if if there if there are films that you know, if you haven't seen these two films and you're listening to both, check out the 1944 Lodger and the 1945 Hangover Square for sure. I mean, I like Hangover Square better, but just watch the Lodger for Krieger, if nothing just, else. Yeah, he's, just see Krieger. He's yeah. so fucking good. He is so fucking good. It disgusts me that, like, <laughs> I'm actually, like, getting angry that people are not watching these films. <laughs> um, I really shouldn't be. It's fine. But, like, I'm like, if you're listening to this and you haven't, and you didn't watch those, I don't know why. It's just so... Um, I'm just kind of angry that he kind of got destroyed by the pressures of the sort of studio system at that point, where it's like, yeah. if, if you're overweight, here's the way you lose weight. You take a lot of speed. You take amphetamines, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, like, the stress of, because he was openly gay, and then, you know, kind of yeah. had all that stuff going on, and, and basically just, uh, you know, just poisoned himself, essentially. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and died. And it's, I mean, it's, it's such a tragedy, because, like, why? Like, why, why did yeah, we, it's why did a, we have to do that? You it's know? a sad, sad fucking end for him, and it was also a sad fucking end for Linda Darnell as well, and the, later on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's she's my she's my next uh, performer that I wanted to just mention. Ah, well, there we um, go. Everybody knows everybody knows I fell in love with Linda Darnell this year. Um, it's fine, don't worry. I have a I have a very uh, close relationship with. I watched like four five of her movies this year. Nice. Um, and, uh, and you know, uh, Hangover Square is she's so good in that. I mean, that's like really the one I'd say definitely check out. But I watched several of her other films, and and she's just great. But then she kind of descended into alcoholism in her later years, yeah. and then died in a house fire. And uh, yeah. it's just like 
Yeah, there's so many of these stories where, you know, I mean, she was somebody who started when she was like 15, too. Because you look at you look at her history, I mean, in, in like the late 30s, she entered Hollywood, and I mean, she was star like Mark of Zorro, like she's the yeah. lead, the co-lead in Mark of Zorro and like Tyrone Power films like Blood and Sand and a bunch of other stuff like that. So, um, yeah, she's someone I'm definitely going to be watching more of her films. I mean, I know I've got Mark of Zorro; it's going to be on my list to watch at some point, and. Uh, uh, she was even in uh, My Darling Clementine, which I kind of covered as a, right, as a right, bonus right. episode. She's, she's not very well used. I mean, she's fine in it, but terrible role for her. I mean, there's just nothing for her to do. Because um, she plays like the um, the girlfriend of... Um, God, who am I thinking of? It's the guy from... Um, just cut all that out. It's fine. Anyway, she's misused <laughs> in the film. You're not going to cut it out. You're going to leave it in. Indeed, I am. No, that's fine. Uh, we're good. Anyway, she's great. Uh, definitely check her out. Next uh, performance I did want to bring up, and I bring this up just to talk about the film because I already mentioned this actor, but uh, Gene Hackman in The Conversation. Yeah. Uh, the Conversation did not make my list just because there was other stuff I wanted to talk about more. And I think people – I mean, we've talked about The Conversation enough, and, and, I, and Night Moves was – I liked Night Moves better. But mm-hmm. The Conversation is a phenomenal film, but I think really the core of it is Gene Hackman's performance. Right. He is so good. It might actually be Hackman's best performance. I mean, I love him in Night Moves. I, w- I would agree. I think I, – I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm contradicting myself. I can't remember what I said in the episode, but it, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's between those two movies as far as Hackman goes, as far as my favorite – of his performances. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, he's, he's great. I mean, it's not Crimson Tide to be fair. You know, it's, oh, it's, wow. it's, no, it's nothing not is, nothing is, <laughs> you know, Denzel Washington talking about the silver surfer, you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Hey, anybody listening to this? who doesn't know Gene Hackman is a genius. Go check out the conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, um, sorry, I'm going to move through these a little bit faster. You didn't like this film as much as I did, but uh, I think you did like this actress as much as I did, and that's Kate McKinnon in the uh, new Ghostbusters film. Yes. Yes, um, it was really good. I think uh, she, she got, she got uh, Spangler. <laughs> See, I think it's unfair to call her like the new Egon. I think she's doing something completely new. Um, but uh, anyway, she's great. She is sexy as fuck. She's in Office Christmas Party, which I talked about in the last okay. episode. She She has a... A uh, small role as like an HR director who's like really stuffy and uptight, and it's like I once you like see her in like real life, and you go like that is not who she is at all. I don't know why they keep casting her as like the like the stuffy uptight you know one because she is amazing. There's a thing on YouTube, and I'm just gonna tell you to go check it out. It's Nina Hartley pulling her hair and like kissing her neck, and you want to watch this. I'm just saying you want to watch this because she basically has an orgasm on camera. It's great. Um, Yeah. So yeah, this is one you're definitely going to appreciate film that uh, did not make my list because ultimately it's not a great film and it's not even a very good film overall, but uh, it's Papusha from uh, Perfect Timing, which is, you know, really once you, once you, you know, you kind of get a little distance from, like, how surprisingly good the film is, and you realize the real thing that's the core of this is, like, she's brilliant. It's her, yeah. It, it, she's brilliant in it. Without her, the film is just kind of, yeah, it's all right. You know, I mean, there's there's yeah. some other good stuff in the film, and it was a fun film, but really the thing that elevates that and really made it memorable was her. Um, and when she's not on screen, the film definitely, like, kind of lags a little bit more. And I do feel like maybe I get, like, way excited about that film more than I should have, and maybe people, <laughs> you know, like, 
checked it out and we're like, why are you, why do you care? You know, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's definitely like, yeah, I'm proud of it. That was that moment we were talking about a great film and she's, uh, she's great. Um, I love her in that. I know that she left the industry and she had her own kind of personal problems, which she kind of found out uh, later on. But um, I mean, check check it out, check her out. She's amazing. And uh, if she ever listens to this, I hope she understands that I say this with enormous respect. She is gorgeous and wonderful and brilliant. And I, really um just appreciate the work she did there totally agree um, she's uh she's totally dynamic in that film like she she yeah. is the <laughs> she's she's kind of the moving part in that film really like everything else is kind of standard and she's yeah. the exception um also the the main female lead in that uh do you remember her name or do i need to look it up no i don't remember <laughs> it's there's not even a wikipedia page whatever um the the main female lead in that kind of the girlfriend of Har- harry's girlfriend in that right uh, i just watched um the episode of star trek the next generation where data falls in love or like this woman falls in love with data and it's her it's the same oh, really? yeah um <laughs> so yeah d- definitely check it out it's like season five episode 23 or something like that so and she's great in that too so i uh, just wanted to throw that in there because oh. I was like, oh wait, wait, where do I know her from? Oh, she was perfect timing. Right. Um, and she's done a lot of other stuff anyway. Um, and then I just have one more film I want to mention, and there are two performances, and I hope we do. I know we're doing another noir series, and I wrote about this film, but we didn't cover it on the podcast. And that's No Way Out. Okay. And uh, it's got a pair of great performances from Richard Widmark and Sidney Poitier. Nice. And Richard Widmark also gets from Kiss of Death, obviously. he gets Yeah, his. yeah, yeah. Two amazing performances, uh, a great film. Didn't make my list just because uh, it's not it's not really a phenomenal film. And then Linda Darnellis in that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Holy shit, we definitely have to cover this film now. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I completely forgot Linda Darnell was in that because I was thinking about Woodmark and Potier. Holy shit, no. Oh god, I'm tired. It's like two in the morning. But um, really great pair of performances. Um, Again, a great film uh, from 1950. It's uh, kind of is kind of first big big role. I don't think it's literally his first role, but it's really the one where he kind of becomes a lead. Um, there's some really interesting politics in it, and um, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, and, and he's brilliant. And then Woodmark as this like horrifying racist poor person, um, and then Darnell is like his girlfriend. No, it's his brother's wife who his brother dies, and then like he's like. You know, manipulating her into being oh, terrible yeah. as well. Um, there's a lot of really, really great um, character dynamic stuff in that. So yeah, again, check that out. It's definitely worth a worth a visit. Um, cool. So yeah, that's all I have. I'm nice, sorry, nice. I feel like I blathered on long enough, but um, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, some yeah, some stuff we're gonna have to check out for uh, the new year. Definitely. I gotta say, we had a pretty fucking good year though. We've we've covered a lot of good stuff. I think we've done probably our best episodes this year. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I feel like the podcast is still going up. We're, we haven't we haven't hit our peak yet, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, uh, you know, summer job might be might have been the, the one. <laughs> that might have been the plateau where we've the just plateau, kinda... where we're, and now we're just we're on the, we're we're still on the plateau, but it's downhill from there. Once we, <laughs> summer job. Um, summer job. <laughs> was that uh, the worst film you saw this year, Lee? It was close. It was very close, I gotta okay. say. Well, well, we'll save that for the new year. That'll be an episode, folks. Yeah. Our worst films we saw in the last little while, but uh, no, yeah. definitely, yeah, no. Um, I love being on the show. This is such a fun thing, you know. I, I think, I think we both needed a little bit of a break, but I've missed it. And mm-hmm. 
you know, coming on the show and talking about movies every week is it's just it's just fun and it, and uh, I'm really happy that other people enjoy listening to us as well because yeah. I'd probably I, I would probably do this even if we weren't doing it for a show honestly I would just sit and watch yeah. movies with you that's the reason we do it we're just just the fact that people actually listen and like it is just kind of an added bonus really but yeah. uh, and just the fact that we had like fans actually come on like uh, Jack Graham and James Murphy who actually mm-hmm. like the show and are actually like incredibly intelligent and make us sound like fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, I know. well, it's, they have British accents, which helps. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's and I mean, you know, even even having like uh, Ryan on or uh, Beer Zerker on or having yeah. your wife on, who also yeah. make us sound like idiots, it's it's great. It's great. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, I really like the idea that I'm the dumbest person on this podcast. That that's kind of the the goal <laughs> is to always be around smarter people than me. That's what I like to do. See, I really like that too because it doesn't make me the dumbest person on this podcast. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with that shit. But uh. <laughs> I like to, I like to be the completely unprepared one who shows up and like I don't know whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we'll start yeah. phoning it in eventually. Oh yeah, fuck, we got to do that eventually. But uh, until then, uh, get those Daniel. Patreon dollars to come in. Yeah, well, w- once we get the Patreon do- dollars in, then we can really start phoning in before you know. Uh, people, people want to see us bring our A game. You gotta get past the paywall. That's, that's what it has to do. You throw in the scratch. Fucking uh, join our audible.com fucking word to get your free trial books and shit, and maybe get your uh, your so your, your, square, your Squarespace domain, your and Squarespace. Uh, go check out stamps stamps.com. You know, it's, a, it's your, the best place to go if you need to mail a package. Stamps.com. Yeah, get your uh, Saks underwear, whatever the fuck it is, and uh, maybe your uh, Dollar Shave Club for men. I mean, Daniel, you love shaving, obviously. I shave shave all the time. Yeah, there you go. Daily. DollarShaveClub.com for Daniel. Uh, fuck, you can uh, find me if you ever want to find yes. me. You can find me at oispaceman.libson.com. I am on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. My podcast family is kind of all over the fucking map, but uh, started off as Doctor Who. I do a Red Dwarf thread. There's a Steven Universe thread, which I'm not on, but I do the editing for. Uh, been a, while, a little while. I, the last couple months have been kind of stressful personally and some other stuff, so I haven't put out a lot of content lately. But we're, I mean, basically, it's just kind of the new year is going to come up and everything's just going to start back up again. I think it's 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 time to kind of dig back into it. So go check me out. I've got a long, most people have not listened to all my archives either. So like go and go back and start from the beginning when we sucked and then, you know, <laughs> work your way forward. Um, and that's the way to do it. So I got, I got to yeah, say, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be refreshing to see that I'm not the only one posting on oispaceman.com anymore. It'd be, it'd be fun to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, I keep, I keep forgetting to actually post the stuff to oispaceman.com. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. I just, I'm just terrible at self marketing. I'm terrible at self promotion. It's just a thing. I'm just awful at Jesus, it. You're even worse than I am, and I'm the worst at self marketing. Yeah. So. If I was, if I was, if either one of us was any good at this, we'd be getting like ten thousand listens a week. You know that, right? Yeah. We like, would. People be would listen to us drunkenly bloviate about movies that they haven't seen for hours on end. If we could like self promote at all. We would be like Mark Maron and Kevin Smith and Joe Rogan all wrapped into one little ball. Yeah, all, making... like we'd get all their numbers combined. Yeah, you know, on on this show, you know, and we just we all all we need is like three hours a week worth of work. It just you watch a movie, it takes you two hours and an hour to record, and then there's no other work involved. So you know. we would have we we'd both be living in mansions right now. We'd be <laughs> we'd all be taking golden showers. 
and ah. where else where else where else do we end that conversation but yeah yeah uh but again you can find us at tmbdos.pubb.com uh, you can find our iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube links there. Go to our Facebook group, join up, start leaving comments, questions, suggestions, interact with us. That's the best place to get in contact with us, and we'll read your shit on the air and respond to it and uh, maybe either laugh at you or agree with you or uh, uh, be really mad at you for yelling at us and telling us we suck. Who cares? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And if uh, your CB falls, I really want, like, something specific. I want you to tell me something specific that I did in this episode that you didn't like. Exactly. So yeah, CB fall. You got to find something Daniel did that was shitty, and then and, and yeah, yeah. put that in your comment. It's not hard to find. It's just hard to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is going to close out our year for 2016. We're going to be back in 2017, and we look forward to uh, doing more shit and having all you people. Join in and follow us along and uh, interact with us. It'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, hey, Daniel, thank you for a great 2016. <laughs> 20, 2016 on this show was great. 2016 otherwise, eh, not so much. But, yeah. you know. Let's forget let's about for, the real world, though. <laughs> let's forget about the real world. Let's just talk about the silver screen where we get to ignore all the rest of the life and just, you know, yeah, everything's perfect. Uh, But until next year, goodbye, everyone, and uh, we'll see you later. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff, and links to various podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook links. Please join our Facebook group, as this is the best way to get in contact with us and to keep up to date with what's coming up on the podcast. We also can be found as part of the Oi Spaceman family of podcasts at oispaceman.com, where you can find various sci-fi-themed podcasts about Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, Firefly, and classic sci-fi novels. If you decide to subscribe to us through iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a review. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>